The Better Call Saul offseason is over, but we are just getting started here on your Better Call Saul season two preview. And now here they are, the slipping Jimmy and Chuck of podcasting. I'm Rob Sister and here's Antonio Mazzaro. Chaka Cole, Rob. Chaka Cole. How's it going? Put on your aluminum foil blankets, baby. I'm ready. Give me some cucumber <laughs> water. It's for customers only, but I really like some. We are back getting ready to talk about Monday's premiere of Better Call Saul. Are you pumped up, Antonio? I'm as pumped up as I could be for a, a legal comedy drama starring Bob Odenkirk. That is a spinoff of Breaking Bad. I'm fired up and ready to go, Rob. We are fired up and we are ready to go. Kicking off another season of Better Call Saul weekly recaps here on post show recaps. And it's been a minute, right? Been a while. Yeah, it's been a little bit. It's been a little bit of time here. Since we last checked in on the world of Jimmy McGill, a.k.a. Saul Goodman, I think the last episode of season one aired last early last April. Marco. April 6th. Yeah, Marco. Marco Rubio. Before, before Marco Rubio was a thing and then wasn't a thing. Yeah. Before the Mets season took off, Rob, yes. we were in a different world last April. Yes, with Marco, the season one finale. Let's dispel this notion once and for all that Better Call Saul season one didn't know what it was doing. Because it knows what it's doing, and it's back here in season two. It knew exactly what it was doing. Let's dispel with that fiction right away, right? Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, the, we're not dating ourselves with this reference at all, by the way. This podcast will be evergreen. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they did a very interesting thing with season one, which we'll get into very quickly here on this podcast, because I did sit down recently and rewatch it, so played a little differently in a binge. Uh, and we'll talk about that, but uh, but I think they know where they, what they want to do with the kind of this series in general, which has always been the the debate how you establish this character and add some drama while keeping it away from turning into the Breaking Bad storyline and chronology. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that. All right, so let's set up what we're going to be doing here on the Better Call Saul post show recap. This Monday night, live after the episode, we will be live. We did our live recaps all season long, and that was very fun. Uh, We'll be live after the Monday night episode. But then after that, we're going to shift to audio only. And I think that the reason for that is that I think that with the live shows where I think that that works, like what we do on RHAP with, you know, Survivor Know-It-Alls live after the episode and things like The Amazing Race and also here on Post Show Recaps with Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. I think that works great. Like if somebody gets voted off or if somebody's going to be dying in the episodes, but I really feel like that Better Call Saul is not that kind of show where you walk away with either a cliffhanger or like a major like WTF moment at the end of the episode. And I think that's really conducive to live, but I think that this is a show that you want to sort of at least like be not in the, oh my God, what just happened mode of live right after the episode. Yeah, it's a slower burn because it's about the character development, first of all. But secondly, you know, the main real two main characters the audience cares about in the show, we know they live throughout the narrative of Better Call Saul. We know they make it into the Breaking Bad timeline and we know their fates within that timeline. So there isn't a ton of drama like that that you could get rid of a big character. There are other surrounding characters, of course, that we don't see in Breaking Bad that are certainly subject to being off at any moment. Uh, but it isn't the same kind of show. And it actually did play better in a binge uh, than it did kind of week to week, episode to episode, because it's more of a singular piece of one season uh, instead of really building to these big cliffhangers episode to episode. 
And with that in mind, we will still be on the same schedule where we will be recording those on Monday night, maybe not a minute after the episode ends or 15 minutes after the episode ends. Uh, We might take a couple moments and gather our thoughts a bit more. We'll still be collecting your questions as well on Facebook and Twitter and other various ways. However, we want to collect those questions and still be integrating your questions into the show. So all that will remain the same. But we just uh, and maybe with the finale, we'll also try to be live as well but that is going to be the schedule of how we're going to be recording these shows but i'm very excited to get back into it on monday yeah me too and it it will be fun with this premiere to do it right after because we can kind of reset uh expectations that we're going to set on this podcast here about what we sort of expect from season two and kind of how we expect to jump back into the story uh we'll be able to immediately uh kind of get into the takes on that so uh there will be some some benefit to going live right after the show so Antonio, I know you watched all 10 episodes from season one over the last couple of weeks, and I'd like to try to watch a bit of it as well over the weekend to get ready for Monday. But what were some of your takeaways from watching season one and knowing where it was going? Well, as I was saying, uh, it does play better, at least it did to me, uh, in a kind of a one binge like that, because the stuff that ne- that we didn't necessarily understand, Rob, I remember talking to you some of these early episodes, especially with the Chuck storyline. Where's this going? Like, what is this about? Like, do we, do we need Chuck? Is Chuck the problem with this show? Uh, by the time you get to the end of the season, and we're going to spoil that right here. Uh, so if you haven't watched it, by all means, uh, you know, watch it and then come back. But by the time you get to the end of the season, uh, when you find out what, what Chuck's involvement in the story is, and when he really does kind of reveal himself to be the sort of ongoing judger and tormentor of Jimmy uh, that we thought Hamlin was throughout, uh, then it, it plays a lot better. Uh, the Chuck storyline, which was the dragging part, I think plays a lot better, especially the rest of it still plays well. It's funny. Uh, there's some great, you know, the first two episodes have the great drama. Uh, the first episode with the caper, the second episode with the trial, if you will, of the skateboarders. Uh, those still play really fantastically well. Uh, and the stuff with Mike is still excellent. But I thought the stuff that we thought was a little bit weaker or slow about the first season really played better on a rewatch. Uh, knowing that it was coming and being able to look at Chuck. And you can really tell from the beginning, honestly, that he's maybe not on board with Jimmy and that that he's playing that a little bit. So uh, really good stuff uh, on, on a second watch of Better Call Saul. Is there anything that you didn't notice from the first time around that you picked up on the rewatch of season one? Not particularly. I'll say that uh, the stuff with Chuck played a little bit differently. Like I said, knowing what we now know about Chuck. Um, the stuff where there's just a few kind of conversations he has with Jimmy where he's talking about Jimmy getting into certain aspects of the law and trying not to harm people. And he's like, Oh yeah. Okay. You know, there's just the way Michael McKean, who was a very good actor and who we kind of were unsure really why they had cast him in that role. Uh, the way he's sort of playing that in hindsight, I think that that plays differently, uh, and it plays better. Uh, so I didn't really, we didn't really notice that as much the first time around, but it, it, it's very subtle, but it is there that, uh, that he's maybe not team Jimmy from the jump. Uh, we thought initially, I think that he was more worried that Jimmy was going to fall back into slipping Jimmy and he was just worried about him. And he was like viewing what Jimmy was doing as like, Oh, he's going to slip. But when you really realize that he's worried he's about Jimmy, that being, yeah, when he's going to slip, slip a Jimmy, when you realize that it's like, that's, he's worried about that being the fundamental aspect of his character and how he shouldn't be involved in the law at all uh it plays a lot differently and so that was uh that was really good uh it was really good on a rewatch and then again like i said this stuff with mike uh it really does pop because 
first couple episodes, you're like, oh, Mike's funny. He's in a, he's in a booth here. What's he doing? But then as we get into Mike playing a part in the story uh, and then his standalone stories, I think it all really works really well. All right. So heading into season two, I feel like at the end of season one, it felt like we had the Jimmy McGill character, at least is seeming more like he is making that turn into becoming Saul Goodman. Do you think that transition continues to occur throughout season two? Or do you feel like we're getting a more fully formed Saul Goodman? This is a a very good question. It seems to be a hot topic of debate among people on Reddit, on the Internet, uh, people that have tweeted at me. Um, it just seems to be people aren't a hundred percent sure when we last left Jimmy McGill, he seemed to have turned down a job offer, uh, to be involved in the case that he had built up throughout the end of the first season. Uh, another firm was getting involved with the case because it was so big and they wanted to make him a partner. His clients had been raving about him. Uh, Kim seemed to have worked really hard to get him in a position where he could get what he wanted out of this and make a lot of money. Uh, and he, you know, when he was touching his pinky ring and thinking of his friend in Cicero who had died, his con man friend, uh, he seemed to pivot away from the courthouse, drive away and tell Mike, like, I'm never making that mistake again. And that mistake being, you know, turning down easy money, uh, even if it makes you feel dirty. Uh, and he smiled and he's driving away smoke on the waters playing. And you feel like, OK, he's done. He's 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 Saul now, like he's transitioned. But a lot of people seem to be thinking that maybe that's not true, that um, Jason Riotmaker, for example, tweeted at me and said, I have a sneaking feeling the last scene in Better Call Saul season one was a time jump that he might have actually taken the job. And what we saw is so at some point in the future. So we never really saw him turn down the job. We didn't. It's not 100 percent clear how that all played out. Uh, and so it, it's possible we're going to get a reset of that uh, rather than he's just full on Saul Goodman when we start season two. I'm wondering for you, Rob. Um, w- would you be okay if we didn't get full on into Saul Goodman right away and we had more of the kind of like, uh, let's say, loose morals, Jimmy McGill kind of playing it fast and loose with the legal rules rather than being full on Saul Goodman pretty quickly? I mean, I'm sure as long as we're telling interesting stories, I feel like that that's okay if we're meeting other interesting characters. I mean, again, this transition to me is not the most interesting story in the world. Never once during Breaking Bad that I felt like, yeah, what is Saul Goodman's motivation? I mean, I felt like to me, it was sort of like obvious that he is somebody who is not really hung up on the morality of things like that. So I I wasn't ever too caught up in what makes him tick as opposed to somebody like, I feel like a Gustavo Fring, I think was like, boy, how did he get to become this person? I feel like that there's, it's not that big of a leap to have somebody who's like a Saul Goodman. I feel like that there's a lot of Saul Goodmans that are in the world. So the telling of that story to me is not the most interesting thing in the world, but I feel like that as that story is going on, I feel like we're learning other interesting things along the way. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's fascinating because one of the big hooks of Breaking Bad, we talked about this a lot on our podcast about Better Call Saul last year, but one of the big hooks is that that you see sort of a reverse narrative arc in a way. Um, rather than seeing a bad guy turn into a good guy, that's a show that is about a good guy turning into a bad guy. Uh, and Better Call Saul season one was more like that than it was about a bad guy becoming a good guy. Uh, we saw the kind of fruits of uh, of the attempt to be James McGill, lawyer, attorney at law, and not be Slippin' Jimmy. And we saw Bob Odenkirk struggle with that. And the show was really about what was really inside him. Like, what was his genuine character 
Uh, and did that? How did that square with him trying to be a lawyer? Um, and by the end of the first season, we, we seem to have seen, saw, you know, seen him make a very clear decision that he wasn't going to hide those character traits anymore and try to keep them at bay. Uh, so I'm not sure that that means he's going to go full Saul right away. Uh, I do think that there's some interesting kind of elements uh, of trying to see him keep those things at bay that we haven't really seen play out yet. Um, because he, he really just went from like, I'm going to be a good guy to I'm not going to be a good guy anymore instead of kind of playing it right in the middle, uh, which I think could be interesting, which we might get a little bit of in this second season, um, whether he's full Saul or not. Like I said, that seems to be up for debate. So you're right. There's interesting stories to tell there nonetheless. And the other fascinating thing is when we know Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad, he really doesn't seem to be affiliated with any of these people that he's close to in season one, mm-hmm. whether it's Chuck, whether it's Kim, uh, whether it's Hamlin. The only person that he's close to is Mike. And Mike at that point seems to be his just criminal enforcer. So, um, you know, breaking away from those people uh, and the dramatic kind of departure from trying to be close with them. We haven't seen that yet. And I feel like we're going to get some of that. On Do you anticipate in season two, we end up getting more stuff and characters from the Breaking Bad universe, or do you think that we will get further away from that as Better Call Saul continues to be its own show? Oh, I think more. I think the show has a lot of fun with that, whether it's direct references like calling about calling out Belize and Bingo uh, or the outfits that he's picking out or talking about white Cadillacs and things that come to be in Breaking Bad or whether it's characters, seeing like Tuco, for example, uh, or people like that that were associated with Tuco. I think that the show's had a lot of fun kind of playing that. You can't set a show in the same town, a small enough town, and set it in the sort of criminal world like you have Breaking Bad and not have more crossover. So I think we are going to get that. How much more and and what that looks like certainly is the big debate among fans of both shows. Are we going to see Gus Gustavo Fring at some point? Uh, Are we going to see Jesse Pinkman at some point? Um, You know, these are people that were criminals before Walter White decided to break bad. So these are people that we could absolutely see uh, their origin stories, or more of them, uh, in the context of Better Call Saul. So that remains to be seen uh, whether we're going to get that this season or going forward into the you know future seasons. But I do think we will get it. Um, is that something that will bother you if we have more of that, or do you want to see the show stand on its own? I'd like to see more. I'd yeah. like to get more of it. Why not? Yeah, I, I think they did a really good job with it in season one. I think you can bring in Tuco, have him play there for a couple of episodes, show the things about the character that we really liked in Breaking Bad, get him out of the story. I think that that worked really well uh, for the couple episodes they brought him in. Uh, and I think you can do that with other characters from the Breaking Bad universe and not really cause any problems and do only uh, things which in, you know just make the audience enjoy what you're seeing. So I do think we should get more of that. I want to meet Skinny Huel this season. <laughs> before, before, before Huel brew up, before he breaking fat, like before that <laughs> happened, like you know, like we we want to see like Skinny Huel. That would be good. Uh, that would be really good. Uh, maybe he just like is constantly eating uh, like the Pollos Hermanos chicken. Like maybe that's yeah. What it would like be. they just open up the Pollos Hermanos uh, chain <laughs> in there in Albuquerque. It's like oh wow, well, I gotta give this place a try. And he's all in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, oh, it's really good. good. Jimmy, you should try it. Oh, boy. Then several years later, we have fuel. Yeah, that would work. That would work. I'd be in for that. So now we're getting ready for season two of this show. How many seasons do you feel like we're headed into for Better Call Saul? If Better Call Saul gets to tell his story or tell its story, 
Breaking Bad was five seasons, but it was really sort of six. How many seasons do you think it goes? Do you think it's go- it's preparing for a similar type of run? Because my feeling is that I feel like it seems like a three or four season show. Well, that's the million dollar question with Better Call Saul, because as they established at the beginning of season one, they're willing to play along. They're willing to play around a little bit with the timeline. And by playing around a little bit with the timeline and showing future Saul Goodman at the Cinnabon, I think that that's on the table for uh, examination further in the context of the series, Better Call Saul. So at some point they could just take the show into that realm uh, and have a completely different show um, with, you know, maybe that ties back into the timeline. Maybe that doesn't, um, but there, there is, as an open door kind of, you know, now we're talking about friends reunion or another season of Gilmore girls or whatever's going on on TV. And this is sort of an organic way to bake us back into the breaking bad timeline. So I think the show's time jumps do allow for more than beyond three seasons. I kind of agree with you that if we're just going to tell the story of Jimmy McGill turning into Saul Goodman and getting Saul Goodman into the chronology of Breaking Bad as established, you know, in those first couple of seasons, then I don't think we have more than three or four seasons here. But the timeline being in play, I think that does open the door uh, to something different. And there's a possibility the show could go longer uh, because of that timeline. The final season of Better Call Saul, for example, could take place entirely in that future timeline, and it could sort of be the epilogue to Breaking Bad, if you will. Oh. Uh, and there's a possibility. I mean, I think it's on the table. I really do. And Vince Gilligan being involved, I think, gives it the sort of blessing that it would need uh, to really get into that territory. Uh, and I think it's, you know, if Better Call Saul goes on three or four more years, it's it's going to be time. I think people are going to want to check in on that time. Rob, we got a new Harry Potter book coming out this summer for crying out loud. Yeah. Like it's good. You know, the people, people want this sort of thing. Uh, and when enough time passes, I think we could get there. And this show has already baked in a Cinnabon sized way for us to get there. So uh, I, I, I think that is the big wild card for how many more seasons we'll get. I do feel like though, in the same way that it helped lost to say, okay, this is going to be our end date. I do feel like it would help this show to sort of like, okay, here's ultimately where we're going and it won't have to spin its wheels as much as it goes along in season two and season three to know where that final destination point will be and when it will be. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that I trust Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold to have kind of plotted that out a little bit. There is a desire at AMC, obviously, to kind of run these things into the ground if people Mm -hmm. are willing to participate. But on a show like The Walking Dead, you've seen them burn through different showrunners. Uh, because people just, uh, they, they want to tell a story or if they're not going to be able to tell that story, they got to get in and get out. And I think these guys, uh, they, they know that the show is not going to be well suited to go on forever. Uh, and I think they probably do have a good plan for exactly how many seasons they want to make. That was their plan with Breaking Bad. Uh, Breaking Bad certainly didn't get canceled because of low ratings. Uh, that show was trending upward every season. And I'm sure if it were up to AMC, they would have, they would still be on the air. So, um, well, that's what this is. That's what this is. This is the sort of fear the walking dead. Fear the uh, slipping Jimmy. Fear the slipping Jimmy. Yeah, fear the breaking bad. Um, so this is sort of what that is. And, and that is obviously, you know, they're trying to do that with walking dead. It's like, well, if we ever decide to end the show, we've got another show and carry the legacy on. No big deal. But, um, but that's exactly what this is. And I don't think that this has to go forever. Are we going to spin off a spin off, Rob? Are we going to have like uh, who, who, I guess he always wanted to tell the story of Gus Fring. Vince Gilligan said that was second. So maybe you introduce Gus Fring in this story, but you don't tell 
his full story. And then the next series from AMC and the Breaking Bad kind of world is the Gustavo Fring story. And then it's more like Narcos. Then it takes place, you know, you, you get the throwbacks to what we already established with the pool and all that with Gus Fring. And you tell those stories all the way on up. Uh, and maybe that's, maybe that's what they do to keep this going in perpetuity. I think so. And I feel like that we've sort of now cracked the I never put it two and two together between, you know, Walking Dead and Breaking Bad that the AMC secret recipe needs to be in a title. You need a gerund followed by a noun. (laughs) Yeah. So what would the song what would the Gus Fring show be called? Cooking chicken. Cooking chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Making chicken. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes that would be uh that would be that would be pretty solid be cooking methods uh yeah, yeah that would be again good. i don't want to make it too much cooking because that's sort of breaking bad already but i don't know yeah. going Fried chickens methods. yeah yeah i don't know but yeah there's there's definitely there's definitely a recipe there uh and that recipe <laughs> is secret recipe 99% pure, Rob. We're all the way. We're, we've got that. We've, so we can, it's too bad that they didn't have that for Mad Men because it could have been like advertising men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be perfect. Yeah. It's too bad. They, 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 changed. Yeah, that's what they screwed up on Into the Badlands. Yes. They could have called it like journeying into the journeying Badlands or like entering Badlands. It yeah. Entering fine. Badlands. That would have been a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going to, I mean, I think that in this world, in the AMC world where they want to keep making money, of course, but they also want to keep making high quality programming. I think Vince Gilligan has a lot of control here. I mean, we remember that the narrative of the first season was that they were writing it without Vince Gilligan. AMC was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. And then they bought Vince Gilligan in. They basically said, we will guarantee you right now a season two. We'll renew the show before it's even, you know, half shot. And in, in turn for that, we want you involved as executive producer on site running the show with Peter Gold. So they, they brought Vince Gilligan in. I don't think Vince Gilligan makes that deal unless he has kind of a, a plan for the exit strategy. The guy wants to make other shows. He wants to make movies. This is not going to occupy his time for 10 years. He's in and out probably five or six seasons at most. Okay, well, it's going to occupy our time for 10 weeks as we get ready to go. Antonio, anything else you want to say in the season two preview? No, I mean, I, I do think that, that we, we really kind of talked out what I think is the fundamental debate of Better Call Saul, which is how quickly does the show take to take us to full Saul? Uh, and how, how, how long are we going to get? You never go half Saul. You never go half Saul. You never go half Saul. I mean, we're going to see half Saul, I think, a lot in this season uh, because we saw almost no Saul with a little bit peeking out in the first season, and that was a source of a lot of conflict. So there's going to be a lot of fun, I think, with Jimmy sort of giving in to his uh, his greater sort of demons in this second season and watching how that affects his relationships with other people, uh, watching how that affects and, and maybe it makes his legal practice better. Um, we had a great, uh, one of the things in the binge of course, is that Nacho uh, gives, you know, Jimmy McGill a matchbook with his phone number. And he basically says like, you call me when you figure out who you really are, mm-hmm. you know? And then Mike has a great speech to uh, this guy who he gets involved with in a drug deal this kind of milk toasty glasses wearing uh, guy who has you know gotten a bunch of pills and wants to sell them to Nacho. After the drug deal is done, Mike is basically like, "You're a criminal now. Like you can choose to be a good criminal or a bad criminal. That's fine. But you stole pills and sold them illegally. You're a criminal. That's it." And so there is this sort of kind of mission statement of the show, which is I think once you 
once you dip your toes in the water, that's fine. But once you jump in, you're wet. And, you know, that's what it is. And so I think we're going to see some of that with Jimmy McGill in the second season. And I think that's going to be the, the kind of fun thing to watch play out is how quickly do they take him to the point where he's reached a point of no return? Do they get into that at all? How does it impact his relationships? Uh, and how, what, what role does Mike play in that? Because we talked about this last season, how Mike is probably his link to this underworld. Uh, and Mike is getting his own feet wet in that underworld. And it's how, how long is it going to be before he calls Jimmy McGill and says, I need your help, or I've got something for you. And how long is it going to be before Jimmy says, absolutely. And then there we are. So I think that we're, we're going to get some of that fun stuff in season two. Uh, the show is always really smart. It's always really well shot. Uh, there's always a lot going on, a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of great music choices. So we'll have a lot. We'll have plenty to break down, Rob, for season. So going back to the AMC naming convention, what should the name of this show have been instead of Better Call Saul? Should it have been Slipping Jimmy? Slipping Jimmy is pretty good. because Becoming Saul? You've got your ing there. uh, Slipping Jimmy. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Uh, Lawyering Bad. I mean, (laughs) that's too close to Breaking Bad, but, uh, you know, that's there. um, So you could open the door that way. Uh, I don't know. I I like Slipping Jimmy. I think that works, but... Uh, you know, Better Call Saul is the iconic catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so had to go. They had to go there. But uh, in the future, they really need to consider this like gerund noun kind of invention. <laughs> it really works. They should have gone slipping Jimmy colon Better Call Saul. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So is that the hashtag gerund noun? <laughs> it is now, Rob. Okay. I like breaking fat, but uh, but yeah, gerund noun is good. All right. So Antonio and I will be live this Monday night. Of course, you can subscribe to our Better Call Saul recaps on postshowrecaps.com. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes or for our Better Call Saul only feed. You can go to postshowrecaps.com slash BCS iTunes or search for Better Call Saul postshow recaps on your favorite podcatcher. Yeah, if you subscribe to our Better Call Saul only feed this week, uh, over the next seven days especially, it'd be awesome because that's how we pop up in the iTunes store. And people that haven't found Better Call Saul podcasts or are looking for one, uh, they'd see us on the charts if we got a lot of new subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed but you are listening, that would be great if you could do that. All right. So very excited to get back into it. Of course, you could follow Antonio on Twitter. He is at A.C. Mazzaro, that's two Z's, one R. You got it. I'm at Rob Cesternino. Of course, we are looking forward to reading your comments and your thoughts on season two on postshowrecaps.com. Looking forward to getting into it live this Monday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, Josh Wiggler and I, are you jealous that I have a Valentine's Day date with Josh Wiggler, Antonio? Of course I am, Rob. You're going to get a great hug out of that. Share a pizza with candles on it. It's going to be awesome. That's right, because we will be live for the Walking Dead mid-season premiere coming (laughs) up this Sunday night. Jaren now. Yeah, Walking Dead. So we will be there uh, live uh, celebrating Valentine's. Oh, with just a bunch of dead flesh. Just, yeah. Oh, and that'll be great. That'll (laughs) That'll be great. Perfect. Perfect romantic night on AMC. So that's coming up on Sunday night as well. So, so much to do. Also, uh, most shows recapped is our weekly scripted TV podcast here on post show recaps. And this week we're going to be talking about the return of some of Antonio's favorite ABC dramas, how to get away with murder scandal. Yeah. These are, these are just pulp shows, Rob. They're popcorn shows. They're you talk about shows where you want to jump right on as soon as they're over and talk to somebody about them. Big things happen at the end of these episodes. And so 
Uh, we're going to get into the pulp and scandal or the pulp glory that is scandal and how to get away with murder. Uh, we have a special guest for that show, don't we, Rob? Yes. Bryce Isaiah from Survivor is going to be joining us to talk about uh, especially how to get away with murder. It's his favorite. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't wait to talk to Bryce about that. All right. So all that coming up and much more here on Post Show Recaps. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye.